0: Good to go with, with more of the Matt
1: Wyatt show coming to you direct and live. Here we go! Back with you, hour two. Of the show off and running with you on this Tuesday. I'm Matt here in the bureau. Beaver's here. Thank goodness you're here. We got a show, and because you're here, you have a reason to have a show. We are connected to you today because of CSPIR, the number one network in Mississippi. Hands down, ain't close. CSPRE. Check them out, cSpire.com. Now, confession, confession time. I don't know what I've got. I do not feel sick. I don't feel sick at all. I don't feel bad at all. But something has gotten a hold of me. And I'm sucking on a cough drop having a hard time clearing my throat and always having to turn it down over here and cough like this. See, you never heard that. And so if you're watching the live stream and you're watching, you're going like, "What, Matt's struggling. <laughs> Just know that I am. Okay, it's hard to continually like, <laughs> you know, like put a Kleenex and, you know, in the middle of the, Radio show. So just thanks for hanging in there with me uh, today. We did have some high school football talk in in Hour 1 just a minute ago, but it was about these stories. you got Georgia and now Florida uh, amending their state bylaws for high school athletes that allow the high school kids to earn money now. Name, image, and likeness money. Quote, unquote, it's pay for play. That's all it's ever been. It's all it ever really will be. And you can dress it up with some salad dressing; it's still a salad. I mean, really, dress it up, make it look good. Even tell me there's a good cause. Okay, good, but we know what the purpose is: is to grease this thing and get some players. <laughs> All right, it is what it is. I didn't come up with it; y'all did. <laughs> Somebody else did. I'm just calling. I'm just saying what it is. All right, and so you know, you wonder. When it's really, it kind of feels like too. If you're, if you're a state who you have these big universities and so much revenue and so much money is tied up in them, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when that'll happen here. So we'll see. Um, But on that note. Anthony commented here on the Murray West live thread. Go to murraywest.com. If you need your logo embroidered on anything like shirts for work, you know, embroidered hats, it could be other stuff, you know, like a backpack or whatever, printed logo, anything like that. You need your logo on stuff, that's where you go. Trust me. Go to murraywest.com. It's M U R R Y West.com. Murraywest.com. On the Murray West live thread, Anthony says, Hearing all this makes me laugh, looking back at all the mushy-headed national talking heads that said NIO would only apply to about one or two kids a team. (laughs) That nobody would give a high school kid money. And then finally, Anthony, you're in my head, as Beaver likes to say. Get out of my head! He said, hit that laugh track. (laughs) Good deal. You're, You're thinking... Jimmy laughed right along with you. gave us an LOL. Uh, Mark commented on YouTube. So it's going to be a lot of high school athletes telling school officials to shove it. Yeah. Well, it could be. You never know. I mean, it's that it potentially opens up a can. I mean, uh, there will be some rules you got to file it under. But I guess if you can file everything under those rules, then then it goes. Sammy Dell, I was using the example. If you got Phoenix City, Alabama, there's a river that runs through it, and on the other side's Columbus, Georgia. And the time change even changes. You can walk across it and you go and you go from five to six o'clock. Uh Sammy Dell says a new house in Columbus, Georgia could be the NIL deal that gets a kid and his family out of Phoenix City. Yeah, you never know if he's a five star, right? And Georgia wants him, and guess what? Alabama wants him too. Now, guess what? The, Alabama's, the Alabama High School Activity Association will have a, an impromptu meeting real quick <laughs> scheduled with feedback from Tuscaloosa via Zoom. Don from Madison says, Matt, tell me this. If Will had two to three seconds more protection from the offensive line, would he make the same or different decisions? Well, that's a good question. I don't know if a frog had wings, he wouldn't bump his rear end every time he went somewhere, you know. But I would say, yeah. But really, two to three seconds is more than we're talking about here, Don. I think when you look at it, you know, it's it's really it's like three seconds total. Give me three seconds. What was that song? Give me three steps. Give me three steps, Mister. Give me three steps towards the door. Give me three seconds. (laughs) <laughs> Give me three seconds, mister, and I can for sure get a pass off. I mean, that's what you're talking about. It's really, I mean, you're not talking about two to three seconds more. You know, good pass protection, really good pass protection for an on-schedule play, meaning routes get run, play gets off, coverage is red, ball comes out. Three seconds is actually a pretty long time. You know, if it put it this way, like, it, it, on really good teams, you get three seconds, the guy's probably taken off by them, actually. I mean, that's just the actual truth. But I get what you're saying is if he had more time. Uh, Jason, yeah, okay, I didn't really answer it. Um, Sure, I think some, sure, some decisions would be different. Absolutely they would. If you had more time and had more comfort, and that'd be the case for anybody. And really what separates the great ones from the rest of us are – Things can start breaking down, and it doesn't seem to matter as much for them. Things can start breaking down for Joe Montana, and you'd never know it. He still makes the play, and the ball's a little more accurate and on time. Or, things can break down for Michael Vick, and where'd he go? I missed him. Where'd he go? That's how fast he is. Uh, Bulldog Blitz text the show. Yeah, see, that? he's kind of thinking what I'm thinking. He said, two to three more seconds? Really? He said, that's all he needs in the first place. Yeah, three seconds. You know, if I got protection where I hit my, you know, I say, hut, hut, and I go play fake, and it's 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. That's a good long time right there. <laughs> Denzel sent me a picture of when Kirk Herbstreet was crying, and he said, Herb Street hearing the news of Georgia and Florida passing high school NIL <laughs> news. Does Ohio not have it? See, Denzel, here's what I need. I need somebody like you with some time on your hands to research for me the states that can that have NIL bylaws that allow high school kids to be paid. <laughs> because I can't keep up with it in my head. Uh, <clears throat> Brad says. On the Murray West live thread, he's on Facebook. He said, "I'm sure will understood what Daniel Jones felt felt like last night. Really? Like how many sacks did the Seahawks have last night on Monday Night Football? Did y'all watch Monday Night Football last night? Ah, uh, the Seahawks had <clears throat> <laughs> That is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. The Seahawks had 11 sacks in one game. This is the NFL we're talking about. The offensive linemen for the Giants get paid to do it. 11 sacks, 10 tackles for loss, 14 hits on a quarterback. What? And one defensive touchdown. That's unheard of. And the Seahawks win 24-3. They're now three and one. They're two and away from home. And the New York football giants are one and three, and they are staring one and five square in the face. Could you see who they have next? They go to Buffalo, wait, to Miami, and then to Buffalo. (laughs) Back to back road games, the Dolphins and the Bills. So the Giants are going to be one and five uh, before you blink. And it's not going to get any better anytime soon. I mean, this man. Got sacked eleven times in a game. That's a month. That's a month of a season for most people. Hey, let's see y'all. Okay, we we didn't go over all the scores. We're not to do that. Y'all are keeping up with the NFL. You know who won, who lost. We talked about the Saints. I don't know what's going on with them. They're two and two. So it looks like right now, I may be wrong about that division. Cowboys won big, whipped up on the Patriots. Mac Jones got benched. All this, they're cruising for the most part. Hey, the Broncos won the game. Did you see that? Gave up 70 points last week, turned around and beat uh, the Bears this week. Of course, it was the Bears, who are awful. Just awful. <laughs> When's the last time the Bears had a good team? Lovey Smith was the head coach, and Rex Grossman was his quarterback. So here's what I was going to, okay. So you are four weeks into the NFL season. And here are how the divisions are shaping up in the NFL versus what I pick to be the division winners. Okay. In the AFC East, I picked Buffalo to win that division. And right now they are tied for the lead with Miami 3-1. and one. In the AFC North, I picked the Bengals to win that division. And they are 1-3. Last, it's the Ravens who are three and one. In the AFC South, I picked the Jaguars to win that division. Everybody in that division is two and two, so I still could be right. Well, I could be, I still could be right about any of them, but you get the point. So, everybody's two and two in that division: Colts, Texans, Jags, Titans. I think probably the biggest surprise is the fact that uh, the Houston Texans are two and two. C.J. Stroud looks really good. Will Anderson is great on defense as a rookie. And their point differential right now in the season is plus 17. They've outscored opponents. That's much more than anybody else in that division. AFC West picked the Chiefs to win the division. They're in the lead 3-1, and one. so I'm good there. So in the AFC, so far I'm getting it right with Buffalo and Kansas City, which seem like the easy picks. Yeah, so far I'm getting it right about Jacksonville. We'll see how it plays out. But I'm bad wrong about Cincinnati. We'll see how that plays out once Burrow. I mean, is he going to figure it out? Or is it too late? And then you get over to the NFC. I picked the Eagles to win the NFC East. Or did I? I thought I picked the Eagles. I don't think I picked the Cowboys. Not that I expect you to be sitting there with notes you took that day. So you could double check it. I'm pretty sure I picked the Eagles to win that division. And they're 4-0, seem to be in control. You know, Dallas is 3-1. Everybody talks about Dallas, but I think Philadelphia is still a better team overall. NFC North, I look like a genius because I picked the Lions to win the division. They are 3-1, and leading the division by a game. NFC South, eh, I picked the Saints to win it. The division right now, they're 2-2 two and two, just like Atlanta. Tampa Bay in the lead at 3-1. and one. Carolina's 0-4. They'll get another first-round pick. I mean, another high first-round pick, right? Top overall, maybe number two. Before it's all said and done. And then uh, NFC West, I'm nailing that one. 49ers, they're an easy pick in that division. They're 4-0 right now. Seahawks are 3-1. and 1. So in the NFC, the only one so far that isn't playing out the way that I Picked it. I didn't say you pick it. I mean, who cares what I pick, but I'm just using that. Is the Saints. They're a game back of Tampa. And I don't think any of those picks for me are way out on a limb. I mean, Buffalo seems to be pretty obvious. It's just that the Dolphins are a lot better than people thought. Maybe they end up winning it. But going into the year, and even to this point, I mean, it's like Buffalo's pretty easy pick. I thought Cincinnati was pretty obvious, but I was wrong about that. Jacksonville, Kansas City, really obvious pick. Eagles, obvious. Lions, maybe not so obvious, but if you paid attention to them, you could still say, yeah, I could see you picking them. I felt like the Saints, an obvious pick, maybe. you know, Tampa's off to a better start. And that's the thing, too. When you look at just how they're playing, I don't even know who the wins are against. So I guess I could look it up. But Tampa, in the NFC South, their point differential is plus 16. They're the only team in the NFC South with a plus 16. Point differential. Overall, the Falcons have been outscored by 15, the Saints by 14, and the Panthers by 35. But the Buccaneers have outscored their opponents by 16 points uh, across a the year. They have wins at Minnesota, at home against the Bears, and then, of course, this past week against the Saints. They got beat by 14 at the hands of the Eagles. So, you know, you could say, well, you know, Tampa hadn't really played anybody, wins over Minnesota and Chicago. Okay. Let it play out. Sure. That's where it stands right now, though. Is that good radio? I <laughs> so like maybe I should ask that question before I go through that whole exercise. Uh, Jason in Flagstaff says, he's laughing emoji. He says, the only thing I remember about the Bears being good is the rant by the Cardinals coach about, they are who we thought they are. Yeah, that was Dennis Al, No, 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 no. Dennis, Dennis, help me. Green. Denny Green, Dennis Green. Rest in peace. He was the head coach of the Cardinals back then. That was, I guess, after he was the head coach of the Vikings for a lot of years. Yeah, and, and it was his Arizona team versus the Bears. They, they are who we thought they were. Yeah, that, that clip made every intro to every NFL show for 15 years. Just like Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. And just like... Uh, <laughs> What's his name? Jim uh Ah, uh, Mora? Yeah, Jim Mora. Playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> when when he was the Saints coach. I mean, you talk about overplayed. You hear those you, you know we're about to talk NFL, whatever the show is for sure. Uh All right, over to the Murray West live thread. Here is Lowell who comments on Facebook. Matt, did you see where a California kid is sitting out the last five games of his senior season to take classes to graduate early so that he can enroll early at Colorado? I didn't see that, but not surprised. I've seen stories like that before. Uh, Lowell, I, I it's not you know incredibly common, but yeah, I have seen it before. And I do the kind of the eye roll thing. And, you know, there is a great dividing line out there among people where on one side of the line, you have those of us who say, look, man, you know, life is short. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Play ball. Play. Play the games. The point of all this is to play the games. And the point of, and then also we say on this side of the line, the point of high school sports is not who's going to the next level. Forget that. Who cares? I mean, like if it happens, it happens. Great. Let them worry about it. For me, the point of high school sports is to see if that team wins or that team wins. Play the games. Win the games. Lose the game. I mean, it's about this. So many, a huge majority of people who've gone on and played college football, even those who've played pro football, will tell you the most fun they ever had playing was in high school. Enjoy that. There's no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. If you get an opportunity, you get it, great. But don't throw all this away and sit around and take tests just because you're ready to play at the next level. You're not there yet. But there are people, again, that dividing line on the other side who say, contraire, high school sports is all about who's going to the next level, who's being recruited. I just know I don't care about any about, of that. and And I think a lot of people don't. And most of the guys on the high school team aren't going to the next level. Okay, so what do they care? And what are the coaches? The coaches are paid to win that game. What do they care who goes to the next level? I mean, beyond helping a guy because you love him, right? I mean, so stop making it about the next level. It's why, you know, I would get, get really excited about watching a high school game that's on, say, ESPN in August or whatever. But the problem is you turn on the game, and the announcers don't really cover the game. All they do is talk about recruiting two and a half hours while the game's going on. It's a big bummer, big letdown, if you ask me. All right, quickly, over to the phone line, the Divinity Equipment phone line. Call from Ready Teddy. What's up, Teddy? Thanks for calling.
0: All right, Matt. I believe that Lane Kiffin listens to this show.
1: (laughs) He became less predictable, you think? (laughs) 100%.
0: I didn't know what was coming. Now... Now, If we can get Pete Golden to listen to the show, we'd be cooking with Crisco.
1: <laughs> well, okay. Let's say, hypothetically, they listen. Somebody there listens to this show. What message do you want to get across to Pete Golden? Now, you have the floor. Okay.
0: Well, I, I don't know because I'm more of an offensive guy than a defensive guy. But, <laughs> okay. but our defense our, our defense, our is defensive, defensive Saturday night. Look like they couldn't turn off the water faucet if you told them which one was on hot or cold. (laughs) Don't look like they could stop nothing. You hear that, Pete? I mean, it... Hey, you hear that, Pete? Hot or cold, man. Got to turn it off. (laughs) Yeah, you got to stop something. (laughs) But anyway, but but evidently, you know, Lane probably doesn't... He may be not listening to the show, but I think he saw what I saw against Alabama and knew something had to be different if they were going to win. And yeah.
1: Um, hey, to the tune so of se- he, to the tune of seven hundred yards of offense, different. Like whatever you know, w- whatever that was, do more of that, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, you know,
0: what you say? If a uh, if a frog had wings, he wouldn't want his rear. So, <laughs> right. You know, if Ole Miss calls it might, if if Ole Miss has that offense against, against offense against Alabama, they probably win.
1: <laughs> well, I look. I mean. Here's what we do know, Teddy. Ole Miss's issues against Alabama, it wasn't a physical thing. They had a bad plan, and they sure didn't execute what they were doing. They played poorly. And then they turned around and showed they are capable of scoring points against better teams. There's no question about it. Teddy, good way to, good way to finish me. this segment with your phone call. Appreciate it, man. Already, Teddy. If you're not familiar with Elvis Presley's version of that song, Ready Teddy. Look it up. My opinion, the best version of it. Stick around in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Back after this.
0: Do you crave your sports? It's often difficult to satisfy that special hunger. Not here, because you've got Matt Wyatt. Oh, I am starving. Don't worry, he's got a menu full. Um.
1: Have you ever, ever in your life as a sports fan, have you ever wanted a a coach fired during the middle of the year? Huh? Have you ever wanted that? Have you ever been convinced that's what you ought to do? We need to make a, a coaching change here or there. Middle of the season, few games into the year, so what? We need to do it now. Now's the time. Why wait? Do it now. You ever been there? You ever gotten what you wanted? You ever not gotten what you wanted but you wondered what the result would be? <laughs> well, ask your friends who uh, might be Indiana Hoosiers fans. Indiana has fired offensive coordinator Walt Bell. They fired him on Sunday. The day after the team failed to score more than 17 points for the third time against a major conference opponent this year. Indiana. Indiana opened the season against Ohio State. Held them to 23 points. Scored three. Week two, they played the Indiana State Sycamores. Had a good baseball team. Don't have a good football team. Scored 41 and beat them. Then week three, they lost to Louisville. Scored 14 in a 21-14 loss. Week five. Scored 29 in a two-point win. 29-27 over Akron. And this past weekend, they went to Maryland... Gave up 44 and scored 17 points, so that's two of Tonga Valois' brother. Is it Talia or Talia? Talia, Tonga Valoa. They scored 44 points. Maryland did. Okay, so they fired the offensive coordinator Sunday after the game. Indiana has be uh, excuse me. Indiana has begun the season two and three. They are 0-2 in the Big Ten. They've played three, as it says in the story, three major conference opponents. They scored three points versus Ohio State. They scored 14 versus Louisville. And they scored 17 on Saturday against Maryland. Fired them. That season opener against... uh, Ohio State, like I said, they held Ohio State to 23 points, but they just could not score. They kicked one field goal. That was it. I haven't watched their games. That particular day, they had one quarterback who was 8 of 15 for 58 yards and another one who was 1 of 5 for 24. Uh, They rushed as a team for 71 yards. So we've talked about how, You know, for instance, Mississippi State's had trouble on offense. They've had some games they barely over 200 yards of offense. For Indiana, try 150 yards of offense in that game against uh, Ohio State. What about the game against Louisville? Uh, In that game, they scored 14 in a loss to Louisville. They had 357 yards of offense, 299 passing, just 58 yards rushing. Didn't have a balanced deal. And then on Saturday, the 17 points against Maryland. That was 17 points on 321 yards of offense, 200 passing, 116 rushing, a little more balanced, but still not good enough. So they fired him. Head coach Tom Allen at Indiana said quote I felt we needed a new direction on the offensive side of the ball. He is get this too. Okay, they fire the offensive coordinator. Who are they promoting? The running backs coach? Nope. O line? Nope. Receivers coach. Uh uh <laughs> You're kind of running out, aren't you? You're running out of options. right? Running backs coach. Tight end coach. Nope. None of them. None of the offensive assistants have been promoted to offensive coordinator. They have promoted Rod Carey, who had worked as a quality control coach. And as an offensive line coach on the staff, he joined him in 2022. He is taking over as offensive coordinator. He played O-line at Indiana. He's a former head coach at Northern Illinois and at Temple. He had good, you know, decent records there, Northern Illinois and Temple, he was 64 and 50, to consider those two schools, seven bowl appearances. So he's certainly a very experienced coach, right? So he's being elevated to offensive coordinator. Head coach Tom Allen. Now, if I remember correctly, Tom, and he's done a good job at in Indiana. They haven't been as good since that quarterback transferred to Washington. I know that much. but But he's a former defensive guy, right? And, okay, to their credit, they held Ohio State to 23 points. But fair to say Ohio State probably started shutting it down and getting the game over with when they realized their offense on the other side stunk and had no chance of moving the ball. Allowed seven points to Indiana State. Allowed 21 points to Louisville. Gave up 27 points to Akron. And then the other day gave up 44 to Maryland. So all I'm saying is, you know, football is a complementary game. Offense and defense do work together, but these last two have not at all been defensive gems by any stretch of the imagination. But they fired the offensive coach. Indiana ranks 111th nationally in scoring offense at 20 points a game. Fire the offensive coordinator after... Five games into the season, a new guy is going to be coordinator, call plays. What is your expectation of how that works? And another question is, is it a head coach who's sort of preserving his own hide a little bit right there? What do you think about that? Overall, what do you think about firing assistant coaches like that in the middle of a season? Up next... A week off, an open date, and then a trip to the big house to face number 2 Michigan on October the 14th. After that, games against Rutgers, Penn State, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State, and Purdue. A rebel godfather texts the show and says, If you only beat Akron by two, fire everybody. (laughs) Yeah, they're not good, you know, and of course, that's what? That's a Joe Moorhead team. The Akron Zips are 1-3 this year. Uh, their one win was over Morgan State in Week 2, beat them 24-21. They've proceeded to get whipped some this year. They lost at Temple 24-21, went to Kentucky and lost 35-3. As we mentioned, a two-point loss in Indiana and a three-point loss this past Saturday against Buffalo, 13-10. Now, I say they've gotten whipped, but you look at it. Coach Joe Moorhead and Akron have played five games and four of them have been close. The blowout was Kentucky, 35-3. But a three-point loss to Temple, a three-point win over Morgan State, a two-point loss to Indiana, and now a three-point loss to Buffalo. And so Akron is one and four on the year. Anyway, and I know that we don't do a ton of, you know, following Big Ten stuff, but I look at it and go, you know, you're a major school Major conference school, you're in the Big Ten. You have had a little success in the past, and, you know you've played some bowl games and stuff. A few good players and some draft picks. Also, a bunch of kids have transferred out, including a really good quarterback and all that. And we're gonna go two and three. Lost to Maryland. We score only 17. New offensive coordinator. Sick of looking at it. I'm sick of looking at it. It's basically what he said, Chuck says, how often does firing coaches midseason actually have a positive outcome? And, Chuck, I was going to sort of ask the same question there. It's like I'm trying to think of examples of offensive-defensive coordinators who have taken over, you know, midseason, some point in the season, you know, after an abrupt firing, that it really worked out well. It really seemed to – I don't know. Like – stave off everybody getting fired, and I don't know that it has very often. Sven commented on the Murray West live thread. He said it's nonsense to fire the guy because there's nobody to replace him. Well, again, the story didn't make it clear if this guy has been an offensive line coach in the past and most recently had been an analyst or vice versa. I, You know, the story didn't actually make that clear, and I don't know and i just feel like anytime i see that you got your off season, you got your camp, invested in it the first 5 games invested in a certain system, a certain play caller, certain way of trying to do things and it just feels like a super duper desperation move start firing assistant coaches in the middle of the season unless there's some sort of off the field or you know relationship gap that you just can't get across it you know that we don't know about all right we'll wrap things up with you next a little bit of time left today here on this tuesday in the bureau the farm bureau insurance studio stick around
0: From the amazing hits. That one is huge. To all the amazing plays. Matt Wyatt has got it all for you. Just listen to that.
1: All right. Back with you. Staying connected because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire customer-inspired. Let's check in with Beave. Here towards the end, Beave, uh, it's been a while since I talked to you. You everything cool? Yep, pretty much
2: the same over here.
1: Beaver, today is National Fruit at Work Day. It's the first Tuesday in October. National Fruit at Work Day. Meaning, you know the kind of fruit you eat. Last we don't time? have any. You don't have any fruit there.
2: Okay. No, we don't have any fruit here. The last I'm time sorry. You, what were you about to ask? I
1: was gonna say, when's the last time you had a, like a good old fashioned banana?
2: Oh, a banana. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't eat fruit that often. Mm. I'll go ahead and admit that. Mm. Um, maybe a couple months ago, a banana. I had some great, some grapes a couple weeks ago. Okay
1: grapes but i tell you what
2: i tell you what i'd love now that we're on some fruit i'd love some watermelon and some pineapple
1: oh yeah that's a good combination too my favorite fruit is apples but not just any kind of apples i don't like those big red ones they may look pretty and all but they don't they don't taste good i like honey crisp apples i like golden delicious apples i like apples you know and i always feel better Seem to eat less junk throughout the day when I eat an apple every day, and I gotta I gotta make that a habit again. Top three fruits for me: number one, apples; number two, bananas; number three, grapes. What's your top three?
2: Oh no, top three. Uh, I put pineapple number one. Ah, uh-huh. pineapple one. Ah, uh, now you know. Now I'm on pine. Now I'm on watermelon too. So okay, I said that. Mm-hmm. So. Watermelon and and there's probably something I'm forgetting here, but let's go with a classic orange.
1: Okay, there you go. Uh, least favorite fruit.
2: I remember those, and I haven't seen these in the store. I don't even. I'm sure they're still a fruit. I don't know if fruits really die out. <laughs> the those weird star fruits. Okay. They
1: were What are those?
2: I can't remember exactly what they were called, but they were weird shaped.
1: Yeah. They were I, shaped
2: like a star and they were kind of like the outside was a little bit bitter.
1: Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. I'm not a huge fan of grapefruit. No, too sour. Yeah, too sour. And I understand the benefits, the health benefits and all that, but like a, it's a, my understanding is most people that eat grapefruit it's because a doctor told them to do it. Not because they woke up going, you know what would taste good today? A good old grapefruit. And the other thing, I like oranges, Beaver. I just don't really know how to eat them that well. (laughs) I always make a mess eating oranges.
2: It's too, yeah. Now, oranges, although I love them, I don't like things. I think we've talked about this before. I don't like things that you have to work to eat. Right. That's why I love crawfish, like when it's already cooked and stuff. But, I'm not gonna peel a crawfish. Too much work. Yeah. The orange. It's it, it's a, it's less work, but it's still some work. Just give me something that I can, I can just nosh right now.
1: Yeah. Like an apple, like a piece of watermelon. <laughs> you ever it's buy? You ever buy your own pineapple and cut it up yourself? You already you buy it already cut.
2: No, they've made it way too easy because once yeah. again. Yeah. That would be work. That would be a lot of work. <laughs> right. They've made it way too easy now. They they make, they make the chunks, and now they have the pineapple spears.
1: Yep. Yeah, I like pineapple too. Big fan of it. Now Squeez
2: mentions peaches.
1: Yeah, and very seasonal deal there. Obviously, it's kind of sad. Peaches. I do too, and it's kind of sad right now to go through like Chilton County, Alabama. That's where. You know, my family's all from, mom, dad. And you go through there on the way home, and, of course, it says, I mean, all the fruit stands and all the peach orchards right next to it. It says, closed till spring. And it's sad because you're like, man, that's a long time away. <laughs> it's closed till spring. You
2: ever had the Mackinac peach?
1: Uh if I have, I'm not super-duper aware of it. Only available two weeks a year. They're amazing. Well, they better be. We're going to. They're only going to be available for two weeks, so they better be amazing. They will be extinct pretty soon. You have a preference. Um, you ever had one of those yellow meat watermelons? Yeah. Not in a long time, but
2: I, I enjoyed that.
1: They seem to taste the same to me. It just looks different. I couldn't notice anything different on the taste myself. Obviously, it looks different. Love cantaloupe. I used to hate cantaloupe as a kid. I don't know why. It didn't like it at one bit. Now I like it. I like it. Anyhow, whoever you are, wherever you are, today, first Tuesday, October, is National Fruit at Work Day. So lean over that computer and just go to peeling that orange. <laughs> and in fact, don't do that because you're going to have a Sticky, messy keyboard. Just thought I'd pass that along. There was uh, several television notes historically on this day that I wanted to pass along. Beaver, none that I thought was worthy of overrated underrated, but a couple that I thought I'd just point out. Uh, You had on this day in 1954, the show Father Knows Best began airing. Uh, A year later, on this day in 1955, Captain Kangaroo... Premiered. That's going way, way back. On that same day in 1955 that CBS began airing Cap Kangaroo, ABC began airing the Mickey Mouse Club. First time anybody saw it, this day, 1955. We mentioned that the Andy Griffith Show began on this day in 1960. Another one uh, a year later on this day in 1961 on CBS, the uh, debut of the Dick Van Dyke Show. It was actually a really good show. I mean, really good, really funny. However, not like syndicated and rerun at all the way the Andy Griffith Show was. So I'm today years old realizing that, you know, the seven or eight years the, the Dick Van Dyke Show was on, running parallel with the Andy Griffith Show, both on CBS. It's just that nowadays nobody remembers it. The Andy Griffith Show was syndicated in reruns on TBS, and the Dick Van Dyke Show was not. Uh, hey, Bev, here's one. It was this day in 92 on Saturday Night Live when Sinead O'Connor did that whole statement deal where she tore the picture of the Pope on live television. Nobody knew she was going to do it. I don't know if you remember that. Yep. Big deal. So those are a few of the TV nuggets. Uh, We mentioned Chilton County peaches on the country-pleasing text line. Country-pleasing sausage on grocery store shelves all around the southeast. My friend Scott, we're we're both uh, from, went to Prattville High School. And so that's home for him, too, over there in that neck of the woods. And Scott said Chilton County had a really terrible year for peaches due to the extreme cold weather late in the year. It killed all the blooms. And they had very little peaches that were actually harvested. Well, I guess I'm not surprised. Yeah, that's right, because we had that incredible freeze that came through here. Busted a pipe in my house. That was fun. I think I told you all about that, didn't I? Christmas Day, Santa Claus had come the night before. Christmas Day, you know, toys in the floor. (laughs) Just chilling out at home. About noon on Christmas Day. Went to the kitchen. And I heard this noise upstairs. Went whoosh. Water just running. Sounded like somebody had turned the tub on up there running a bath upstairs. And I went, now who is upstairs running a bath right now? Who could that be? Because I thought everybody else was in the living room. Both Annabeth and Mary Lydia. And I went, hey, who's in there? And they both went, we in here? And I knew. (laughs) Nobody was upstairs. And even for a really teeny tiny split hair of a second, I thought, did the cat turn on the water? (laughs) And about that time, I looked up. I looked up, and on the lights in the ceiling, it went drip, 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 drip. And then, whoosh, (laughs) water, Pouring out of the ceiling like a dadgum shower. And um, the hilarity that ensued was how a lot of married couples do. Different times, different situations. One is unreasonably freaking out while the other is unreasonably calm to balance it out. And sometimes you change roles. One day it could be you, one day it could be her, vice versa. Well, on this one, I freaked out. Water in the house is a freak out for me. <laughs> but apparently it's not for Anna Beth. She was cool headed. She started collecting the water while I tried to figure out how to get the water turned off. Went to the road and I got mud all over me and we get the water finally turned off. And all because a pipe had frozen and busted. And at noon on Christmas Day, it thawed out. And whoosh, here we go. All right, that's it for today. Fun show. really do appreciate you watching. If you're all of y'all on the live stream, all of you on the text line, thanks for the phone calls, Ready Teddy and others. For Beaver, I'm Matt. All of us here on the show, see you tomorrow. Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, see you then. See ya!